Chapter Three of With Frederick the Great: A Story of the Seven Years' War by G. A. Henty. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Gary Olman. The Outbreak of War. As Lindsay had predicted, the marshal had, on the evening of the day Fergus joined his regiment, said to him, I generally have half an hour's fencing the first thing of a morning, Fergus. It is good exercise and keeps one's muscles lissom. Come round to my room at six. I should like to see what the instructors at home have done for you, and I may be able to put you up to a few tricks of the sword that may be of use to you if you are ever called upon to break his majesty's edicts against dueling fergus of course kept the appointment very good very good indeed the marshal said after the first rally you have made the most of your opportunities your wrist is strong and supple your eye quick you are a match now for most men who have not worked hard in the school of arms like almost all our countrymen you lack precision now let us try again for a few minutes Fergus exerted himself to the utmost, but failed to get his point past the marshal's guard. He had never seen fencing like this. Keith's point seemed to be ever threatening him. The circles that were described were so small that the blade seemed scarcely to move, and yet every thrust was put aside by a slight movement of the wrist, and he felt that he was at his opponent's mercy for the whole time. Presently there was a slight jerk and on the instant his weapon was twisted from his hand and sent flying across the room keith smiled at his look of bewilderment you see you have much to learn fergus i have indeed sir i thought that i knew something about fencing but i see that i know nothing at all that is going too far the other way lad you know for example a vast deal more than lindsay did when he came to me six months ago i fancy you know more than he does now or ever will know for he still pins his faith on the utility of a slashing blow as if the sabre had a chance against a rapier in the hands of a skilful man however i will give you a lesson every morning and i should advise you to go to van bruff every evening i will give you a note to him he is by far the best master we have indeed he is the best in europe i will tell him that the time at your disposal is too short for you to attempt to become a thorough swordsman but that you wish to devote yourself to learning a few thrusts and parries such as will be useful in a duel thoroughly and perfectly i myself will teach you that trick i played on you just now and two others like it and i think it possible that in a short time you will be able to hold your own even against men who may know a good deal more of the principles and the general practice of the art than yourself armed with a note from the marshal fergus went the next day to the famous professor the latter read the letter through carefully and then said i should be very glad to oblige the marshal for whom i have the highest respect and whom i regard as the best swordsman in europe i often practice with him and always come away having learned something moreover the terms he offers for me to give you an hour and a half instruction every evening are more than liberal but every moment of my time in the evening is occupied from five to ten could you come at that hour certainly i could professor then so be it come at ten punctually 
My school is closed at that hour, and you will find me ready for you. Accordingly, during the next three weeks, Fergus worked from ten till half past eleven with Herr Van Bruff, and from six till half past with the marshal. His mountain training was useful indeed to him now, for the day's work in the barrack was in itself hard and fatiguing, and tough as his muscles were, his wrist at first ached at nights that he had to hold it for some time under a tap of cold water to allay the pain. At the end of a week, however, it hardened again, and he was sustained by the commendations of his two teachers and the satisfaction he felt in the skill he was acquiring. Where is your new aide-de-camp, Marshal? the king asked one evening. It was the close of one of his receptions. As a rule, these young fellows are fond of showing off in their uniform at first. He is better employed, sire. He has the makings of a very fine swordsman, and having some reputation myself that way, I should be glad that my young cousin should be able to hold his own well when we get to blows with the enemy. So I and Van Bruff have taken him in hand, and for the last three weeks he has made such progress that this morning, when we had open play, it put me on my mettle to hold my own. So what with that and his regimental work, his hands are more than full, and indeed he could not get through it had he to attend here in the evening. And I know that as soon as he has finished his supper, he turns in for a sound sleep till he is woke in time to dress and get to the fencing school at ten. Had there been a longer time to spare, I would not have suffered him to work so hard. But seeing that in a few days we may be on the march to the frontier, we have to make the most of the time. He has done well, Keith, and his zeal shows that he will make a good soldier. Yes, another three days, and our messenger should return from Vienna. And the next morning, unless the reply is satisfactory, the troops will be on the move. After that, who knows? During the last few days, the vague rumors that had been circulating had gained strength and consistency. Every day, fresh regiments arrived and encamped near the city, and there were reports that a great concentration of troops were taking place at Halle, under the command of Prince Ferdinand of Brunswick, and another under the Duke of Brevern, at Frankfurt on the Oder. Nevertheless, the public announcement that war was declared with Austria and that the army would march for the frontier in three days' time came as a sudden shock. The proclamation stated that, it having been discovered that Austria had entered into the secret confederacy with other powers to attack Prussia, and the king, having after long and fruitless negotiations tried to obtain satisfaction from that power, no resource remained but to declare war at once before the confederates could combine their forces for the destruction of the kingdom. Something like dismay was, at first, excited by the proclamation. A war with Austria was, in itself, a serious undertaking. But if the latter had the powerful allies, such as Russia, France, and Saxony, and it was well known that all three looked with jealousy on the growing power of the kingdom, the position seemed well-nigh desperate. Among the troops, however, the news was received with enthusiasm. Confident in their strength and discipline, the question of the odds that might be assembled against them in no way troubled them. 
the conquest of silesia had raised the prestige of the army and the troops felt proud that they should have the opportunity of proving their valour in an even more serious struggle never was there a more brilliant assembly than that at the palace the evening before the troops marched all the general officers and their staffs were assembled together with the ladies of the courts and those of the nobility and army the king was in high good humour and moved about the rooms chatting freely with all so you have come to see us at last young sir he said to fergus i should scold you but i hear that you have been utilising your time well remember that your sword is to be used against the enemies of the country only and nodding he walked on the princess amelia was the centre of a group of ladies she was a charming princess but at times her face bore an expression of deep melancholy and all knew that she had never ceased to mourn the fate of the man she would have chosen baron trench who had been thrown into prison by her angry father for his insolence in aspiring to his daughter's hand you must be glad that your hard work is over drummond lindsay said as they stood together watching the scene i am glad that the drill is over fergus replied but i should have liked my work with the professor to have gone on for another six months ah well you will have opportunities to take it up again when we return after thrashing the austrians how long will that be lindsay the latter shrugged his shoulders six months six years who can tell he said if it be true that russia and france to say nothing of saxony are with her it is more likely to be years than months and we may both come out colonels by the time it is over that is if we come out at all fergus said with a smile at the other's confidence oh of course there is that contingency but it is one never worth reckoning with at any rate it is pretty certain that if we do fall it will be with odds against us but of course as aides de camp our chance is a good deal better than that of regimental officers at any rate we have had good preparation for the campaign for your work will be child's play in comparison to what you have been going through how you stood it i cannot make out i worked pretty hard when i first arrived but the drill for the first six months was tremendous and i used to be glad to crawl into bed as soon as i had my supper well you have been a poor companion so far drummond i'm afraid i have been but will try and make up for it in the future i suppose there is no doubt that we shall march in the first place on dresden i think that there is no doubt of that there is no saxon army to speak of certainly nothing that can offer any serious opposition from there there are three or four passes by which we can pour into bohemia saxony is a rich country too and will afford us a fine base for supplies as we move on i suppose the austrians will collect an army to oppose us in bohemia when we have thrashed them i expect we shall go on straight to vienna fergus left it all sounds easy enough lindsay i only hope that it will come off just as you prophesize that is one advantage of fighting in a foreign service fergus one fights just as stoutly for victory as if one were fighting for home but if one is beaten it does not affect one so much it is sad to see the country overrun and pillaged 
but the houses are not the houses of our own people the people massacred are not one's own relations and friends one's military vanity may be hurt by defeat otherwise one can bear it philosophically i never looked at it in that light before lindsay but no doubt there is a great deal in what you say if my father had fallen on a german battlefield instead of at culloden our estates would not have been confiscated our glens harried and our clansmen hunted down and massacred no i see there is a great difference i suppose i should fight just as hard against the austrians as i should have done against the english at culloden had i been there but defeat would have none of the same consequences no putting it as you do i must own that there is a distinct advantage in foreign service that i never appreciated before but i see people are leaving and i am not sorry as we are going to be up before daybreak the sooner one turns in the better Carl had received the order to call his master at three to have breakfast ready at half past and the horses at the door at four with somewhat less than his usual stolidity you will have hard work in the future Carl fergus said i shall be glad of it sir never have i had such a lazy time as i have had for the last month the first three or four days were very pleasant then i began to think that i should like a little to do so as to remind me that there was such a thing as work but the last fortnight has been terrible a man cannot sleep for twenty-four hours and if it had not been that donald and i have had an occasional quarrel as to our respective regiments and over the native land he is so proud of bragging about i should have been ready to hang myself ah sir how often have i to thank my stars that i did not take my discharge which i could have asked for as i have served my time i had thought of it many times and have said to myself how delightful it would be to hear the morning call sound at a barracks near and to turn over in my bed and go to sleep again to have no guard to keep no sergeant to bully or provost guard to arrest one if one has taken a cup too much this fortnight has shown me the folly of such ideas it has taught me when i am well off then what misery it is to be one's own master and to be always wondering how the day is to be got through well you are not likely to have to complain that you have nothing to do for some time now Carl. no cornet i have felt a new man since i heard the great news there is always plenty to do on a campaign there are the horses to be cleaned, food to be cooked, forage and rations to be fetched. Then, too, on a campaign, everyone is merry and good-tempered, and one sings as one marches and sits round the campfire. One may be cold and wet and hungry, but who cares? One swears at the moment, but one laughs again as soon as the sun shines. Well, Carl, you had best turn in at once, for at three o'clock we shall want to be called you can rely upon my waking sir does my officer wish to take a full dress suit with him no the order is that all are to start in marching order and that all baggage is to be cut down to the smallest proportions no officer is to take more than can be carried in his valises it was the first week in august when the three columns each twenty thousand strong moved 
from their respective starting points although the king was nominally in command of the central division marshal keith was the real commander he rode with the king at the head of the column and his aides de camp and those of frederick were constantly on their way up and down the line carrying orders and bringing in reports as to the manner in which the regiments maintained their respective position and especially how the artillery and baggage train kept up there was no necessity at present for taking precautions the march would for some days lead through prussia and it was morally certain that the saxon army which was small and scattered and even if united would not equal the strength of one of the prussian armies would not attempt any serious resistance for the country was flat and there would be no defiles where a small force of men could successfully oppose a larger one nevertheless the daily marches were long for the infantry and the baggage but by no means fatiguing for mounted men the staff and aides de camp with their orderlies rode behind the leaders the troopers were sometimes employed instead of the officers when a short written order had to be sent back to the rear of the column the harvest having been gathered in the cavalry rode across the open country thus reducing the length of the column the day was very hot and the infantry opened their ranks as much as possible to allow the passage of what little air was moving at nine o'clock the troops were halted each man had been served with a breakfast before starting and the haversacks were now opened and a meal made of the bread they contained washed down with an allowance of rough wine carried in each regimental wagon then the men sat down under the shade of greatcoats supported by ramrods and other contrivances and either slept or talked until half-past two when the bugle sounded the great coats were rolled up and strapped on to the knapsacks then there was a rigorous use of the brush to remove the thick dust gathered on the march at three the column got into motion again and halted for the night at half past six when fires were lighted coppers put on and the main meal of the day presently served the rations of the officers were the same as those of the men but the greater part of them supplemented the food by that carried in their orderly saddlebags. Lindsay, Fergus, and the marshal's other two aide-de-camps had arranged that, where possible, they should mess together and their servants should prepare the meal by turns, while those not so engaged looked after the horses, saw that they were fed, watered, and groomed. The servants were all old campaigners, and though neither Lindsay nor Fergus had thought of giving them orders to that effect, both Donald and Carl had laid in a stock of provisions. Donald had cooked a pair of fowls on the previous evening. Carl had brought a suckling pig. One of the German officer's servants had a used piece of salt beef that had already been boiled, while the other had a hare. It was agreed at once that the fowls should be left for early breakfast, and the beef put aside for dinner and for supper also if nothing else could be obtained carl as the servant of the junior officer was cook for the evening and he acquitted himself admirably each officer carried in his saddlebag a tin plate drinking horn and a knife fork and spoon there was no dish but the spit 
was handed around and each cut off a portion soup made from the ration of meat was first served then the hare then the suckling pig while the four orderlies had an ample meal from the ration of meat a supply of spirits had been carried in the staff wagon this they took plentifully watered with the meal with a stronger cup afterwards the night was so fine that all agreed that it was not worth while to erect the tent carried for them in the wagon at eight o'clock the order for the next day's march came out and two of the king's orderlies started on horseback with copies of it to the commanders of brigades who in their turn communicated to the colonels of their respective regiments the next evening the force encamped round torgau a very strong fortress where a great store of provisions had been collected ample quarters were assigned to the marshal and his staff in the town here they halted for a day to allow the other armies which had both farther to march to keep abreast of them on their respective lines of route then following the elbe the army arrived after two marches in front of dresden the court of saxony had for years been wasting the revenues of the country in extravagance and luxury while intriguing incessantly with austria and dreaming of obtaining an increase of territory at the expense of prussia no effort had been made to prepare to carry out the engagements entered into with austria and the army utterly neglected numbered but some fifteen thousand these were scattered over the country and but poorly provided with artillery when then the news arrived that three prussian armies had crossed the frontier there was no thought of resistance but orders were dispatched for the whole force to concentrate at pima a strongly fortified camp among the defiles of the mountains separating saxony from bohemia the position was almost an impregnable one and they could receive reinforcements from bohemia on the arrival of the prussian army the king fled and dresden threw open its gates as frederick hoped to detach saxony from the alliance against him the greater portion of the army were encamped outside the town three or four regiments only marching in and quartering themselves in the empty saxon barracks the aid saxony could render frederick would be insignificant but it was most desirable for him that he should ensure its neutrality in order to secure his communications with prussia when he marched forward into bohemia finding the king had gone his first step was to send a general officer with a party of soldiers to seize the archives in the palace among these was discovered the prize he most desired to find namely a signed copy of the secret treaty between austria russia france and saxony for the evasion and partition of prussia copies of this document were instantly sent off to the courts of europe thus affording an ample justification for what would otherwise have appeared a wholly unprovoked attack by prussia upon her neighbors had it not been for the discovery of this document frederick would probably have always remained under the stigma of engaging in an unprovoked and ambitious war for the court of austria had hitherto positively and categorically declared to frederick's ambassador and envoys the non-existence 
of any such treaty or agreement between the powers as the queen had remained in the palace frederick took up his abode in another royal building marshal keith and a large number of officers being also quartered there in order to prevent any broils with the citizens orders were issued that certain places of refreshments were to be used only by officers while the soldiers were only to frequent wine and beer shops selected in the neighbourhood of the barracks and were strictly forbidden to enter any others any soldier caught in an act of theft or pillage was to be hung forthwith and all were enjoined to observe a friendly demeanour to the people one evening fergus had been sent with a message to the camp two miles from the town it was nearly ten o'clock when he started to ride back when within half a mile of the town he heard a pistol shot in the direction of a large house a quarter of a mile from the road without hesitation he turned his horse's head in that direction in a couple of minutes he arrived at a pair of large gates they were closed but he dismounted fastened the bridle chain to them and snatching the pistols from his holster ran along by the side of a high wall until he came to a tree growing close to it with some difficulty for his high boots were ill adapted for such work he climbed the tree got on to the wall and dropped down he was in a large park-like grounds guided by a light in a window he ran to the house the door was closed after hesitating for a moment he ran along and soon coming as he expected to an open window he had once climbed through it a door was opened and passing on he entered a large hall in which a light was burning pausing to listen now he heard voices upstairs and holding a pistol in each hand and his drawn sword in his teeth he lightly ascended the stairs on the landing two men lay dead light was issuing from a half-closed door and noiselessly approaching it he looked in it was a small room at the end stood eight or ten scared women huddled together while a soldier with a pistol in one hand and a sword in the other stood sentry over them these were evidently the servants of the chateau who had been unceremoniously hauled from their beds and gathered there under a guard to prevent them from screaming or giving any alarm as fergus was equally anxious that no alarm should be given at present he retired quietly a pair of double doors faced the top of the staircase this was evidently the grand reception room and listening intently he could hear a murmur of voices inside turning the handle and throwing them suddenly open he entered upon the floor lay the body of a gentleman a lady pale as death and in a half-fainting condition leaned back in a settee while a girl of thirteen or fourteen lay on a couch with bound hands and a handkerchief fastened across her mouth three soldiers were engaged in examining the contents of a large coffer of jewels as the doors opened they turned around and on seeing a solitary officer sprang forward with terrible oaths fergus shot one of them as they did so dropped the pistol seized his sword both men fired fergus felt a stinging sensation in his left arm and then the pistol held in that hand dropped to the ground confident in his swordmanship he awaited the onslaught of the two marauders 
the swords clashed and at the second pass one of them fell back run through the body the other shouting for aid stood on the defensive fergus heard the rush of heavy steps coming down the staircase and just as three other men rushed into the room he almost clove his opponent's head and toe with a tremendous blow from his claymore two of the newcomers fired their pistols hastily both missed then rushed at him with their swords and as he was hotly engaged with them the third who was the sentry who had been placed over the women advanced slowly with his pistol pointed with the intention of making sure of his aim he paused close to the combatants waiting for an opportunity to fire between the shifting figures of his comrades when a white figure after peering in at the door ran swiftly forward and threw herself on his back hurling him forward to the ground his pistol exploding as he fell one of the others started back at the sound and as he did so fergus ran him through the body he then attacked his remaining opponent and after a few passes laid him dead beside his comrade picking up his own fallen pistol fergus blew out the brains of the soldier who was struggling to free himself from the girl's weight and then helped her to her feet well done my brave girl she he said you have saved my life now run and tell those wretches to stop screaming and come and help their mistress these scoundrels are all killed and there is nothing more for them to be alarmed at then he ran to the girl on a sofa cut her cords with a dagger and freed her from the gag as he did so she leaped up and ran to her mother's side while fergus kneeling by the gentleman who had fallen before he had entered turned him over and laying his ear over his heart listened intently he is alive he said his heart beats but faintly tell the man to fetch some cordial the women were coming in now some crying hysterically some shrieking afresh at the sight of the bodies that were strewn about the room silence fergus shouted sternly now while one runs to fetch some cordial do three others come here and aid me to lift your master gently on to the couch the maid who had overthrown the soldier at once came forward to his assistance now trucan and lisa the young girl said stamping her foot come at once do you caroline run and fetch the stand of cordials from the dining-room the two women approached timidly now fergus said get your arm under his shoulders on your side and i will do the same one of you others support his head when we lift the other take his feet so gently he was raised and laid on the couch by the time this was done the women returned with a bottle of spirits now he said water and glass the young girl ran and fetched a carafe of water and a tumbler standing on a table by the wall her hands shook as she handed it to fergus are you sure that he is not dead sir she asked in a hushed voice quite sure i fear that he is grievously wounded but he certainly lives now get another glass and put some spirits in it and fill it up with water and make your mother drink it as soon as you have roused her from her faint fergus now gave all his attention to the wounded man poured two or three spoonfuls of strong spirits and water between his lips and then proceeded to examine his wounds he had three one was a very severe cut upon the shoulder his left arm had been broken by a pistol bullet and he had a dangerous sword thrust in the body 
under fergus's direction the servant had cut off the doublet and after pouring some more spirits down the wounded man's throat he bade one of the other women fetch him some soft linen and a sheet when these arrived he made a pad of the linen and bound it over the wounded man's shoulder with some strips torn from the sheet then he sent for some straight strips of wood cut them to the right length wrapped some linen round them and straightening the arm applied them to it and with the assistance of the girl bandaged it firmly then he placed a pad of linen over the wound in the body and passed bandages round and round well done he said to his assistant you are a stout girl and a brave one then he turned to the others who were crowded round their mistress stand back he said and throw open the window and let the air come to her this will do the young lady and this girl will be enough now do the rest of you run off and get some clothes on she has opened her eyes once sir she will come round directly young lady pour a spoonful or two from the glass between her lips it is stronger than that you have in your hand she has had a terrible shock but as soon as she hears that your father is alive will do more for her than all our services will he live sir that i cannot say for certain but i have great hopes that he will do so however i will send a surgeon out as soon as i get to the city the lady was longer in a swoon than fergus had expected and the servants had returned before she opened her eyes now he said the four of you lend me your assistance it would be well to carry this sofa with your master into the next room and then we will take your mistress in there too so that she will be spared seeing these ruffians scattered about when she comes to herself the doors leading to the adjoining apartment were opened candles lighted there and the wounded man carried in on his sofa and now for your mistress it would be easier to lift her out of the chair and carry her in bodily this he did with the assistance of two of the servants now he said to the young girl do you stay by her my brave maid i think she will recover in a minute or two her eyelids moved as i brought her in i will look round and see about things were these the only two men in the house he asked the other women as he joined them on the landing no sir there were six men the other four have gone to bed but the two outside always waited up till the count and countess retired where are their rooms he asked taking a candle one of the women led him upstairs as he expected he found the four men lying dead one had apparently leaped up as the door was open and the other three had been killed in their beds where can i get help from there are the men at the stables it is at the back of the house three or four hundred yards away well take one of your other women with you and go and rouse them tell them to dress and come here at once he now went down to the gate undid the fastenings and then led his horse up to the house in a few minutes the stablemen arrived he ordered them to carry the bodies of the six marauders out and lay them in the front of the house when they had done so they were to take those of the servants and place them in an outhouse then he went upstairs again the countess has recovered sir one of the women said tell her that i will send one of the army surgeons down at once but first bandage my arm it is but a flesh room i know but i am feeling faint and am sure that it is keeping on bleeding 
here my girl he said to the one who had before assisted i can trust to you not to faint with her assistance he took off his coat the armor which was saturated with blood you had better cut off the sleeve of the shirt he said this was done and the nature of the wound was seen a ball had ploughed through the flesh three inches below the shoulder inflicting a gaping but not serious wound it is lucky that it was not the inside of the arm he said to the girl as she bandaged it up for well, had it been i should have bled to death in a very few minutes had the count opened his eyes yet no sir he is lying just as he was what is the gentleman's name count eulen first you had better give me a draught of wine before i start i feel shaken and it is possible that writing may set my wound bleeding again having drunk a goblet of wine fergus went down and mounted his horse as he did so he said to one of the men take a lantern and go down to the spot where the road hither turns off from the main road surgeon will be here in half an hour or perhaps twenty minutes he will be on the lookout for you and your lantern events had passed quickly and the church bell chimed a quarter to eleven and he rode through the streets of dresden's in three minutes he drew up at the entrance to the royal quarters as he dismounted Carl came out keep the horse here Carl. he said it may be wanted in a minute or two again are you hurt sir the man asked as he dismounted for he saw his face by the light of the torches on each side of the gateway it is only a flesh wound and of no consequences but i have lost a good deal of blood he made his way up the staircase to the marshal's quarters he was feeling dizzy and faint now is the marshal in his room he asked he is in sir but i would speak to him immediately tis a most urgent matter the surgeon went in a moment later held the door open and said will you enter sir fergus entered and made the usual formal salute to the marshal two or three other officers were in the room but he did not heed who they were nor hear the exclamations of surprise that broke out at his appearance i beg to report sir that the house of the count eulenfurst had been attacked by marauders belonging to one of the pomeranian regiments the count is desperately wounded and i pray that a surgeon may be sent instantly to his aid the house stands back from the road about half a mile from the north gate a man with a lantern will be standing in the road to guide him to it my horse is at the door below in readiness to take him i pray you to allow me to retire he swayed and would have fallen had not the marshal and one of the others present caught him and laid him down on a couch he is wounded marshal the other officer said this sleeve is saturated with blood the marshal raised his voice and called it attended run to the quarters of staff surgeon schmidt and ask him to come here immediately and to bring another of his staff with him if there is one in in two minutes the king's chief surgeon entered followed by another of his staff first look to the wound of cornet drummond the marshal said it is in the arm and i trust that he has only fainted from loss of blood the surgeons examined the wound it is in no way serious marshal as you say he has fainted from loss of blood he must have neglected it for some time had it been bandaged at once it would only have the consequence of disabling his arm for a fortnight or so the assistant had already hurried away to get lint and bandages another voice now spoke 
Surgeon Schmidt, you will please, at once, mount Mr. Drummond's horse, which is standing at the door. Ride out through the north gate, where you have gone about half a mile, you will see a man with a lantern. He will lead you to the house of Count Eulenfurst, who has been grievously wounded by some marauders. Surgeon Morfin will follow you as soon as he has bandaged Mr. Drummond's wound. There may be more wounded there who may need your care. Major Armfelt, will you order a horse to be brought round at once for the surgeon? Then hurry to the barracks. Order the colonel to turn out a troop of horse instantly, and let him scour the country between the north gate and the camp, and arrest every straggler he comes across. End of chapter 3